Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. We start with the stresses and strains on our healthcare system, especially in crowded hospitals. Got Dr. Kevin McLeod standing by to discuss. First, let's have a listen here to Dr. Randeep Gill, the pressure at Surrey Memorial Hospital. Have a listen. We've outgrown our emergency department. We don't have the inpatient capacity to take care of our patients, and we're bursting at the seams. There's a severe uh, concern that we're not getting the, uh, the, the the advanced care services at Surrey, so everybody has to be transferred out of Surrey to go to different hospitals. All right, let's talk about the stresses and strains on the system now. Dr. Kevin McLeod, Lionsgate Hospital, very pleased to welcome him back to the show. Kevin, thank you for coming on today. Mike, thanks for being here. Although listening to your newscast, I, I think you should have Taylor Swift on as a guest and not me. You'd, you'd get much, much more of a draw. <laughs> you think so? I think she'd be more popular than you. Come on now. Oh, a gazillion times more. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Imagine the money that is rolling in there. Holy smokes. Oh, it's crazy. It's just that crazy. Pot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about the, the the healthcare system right now. And I love speaking to you about this because we get the frontline view of, of what is happening. And, you know, we've seen the, we've heard about the hallway medicine, like patients on stretchers waiting to be admitted to hospital. And that's been around for a long time. But is it getting worse? Like, what is the latest here? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely getting busier. It seems month over month it gets busier. It, typically in the past, we, we would have quieter summers, right? It, it, mm. it wasn't as overloaded. So when you hear about hallway medicine in the summer, um, that's very concerning because volumes tend to go up in the fall and winter as, as people get more respiratory tract infections and, and other things. So I think we're heading into a, a bit of a difficult time. The other thing, you know, I always like to use the analogy of the Lionsgate Bridge. You, you can keep putting more and more cars on the bridge and you know, traffic flows, but eventually you get that one extra car and the whole thing stops. And it, it's a bit like that in healthcare. Like you, you can keep piling more and more onto the people working in the system, but eventually, you, you know, you, you sort of just come to a grinding halt and, and efficiency goes right down. So, you know, one of the reasons people are in hallways is that we can't get people out of the hospital. Well, if everybody is so busy looking after the acute person in emergency, you know, that person who's very stable but just needs some stuff done to get them out of the hospital, um, that gets delayed. You can't be in two or three or eight places at the same time. And it's one of the reasons I've pushed for a long time saying we need teams like we need helpers we need to to work in a more collaborative way and and there's so many ways we could do that that would ultimately save you money yeah let's talk a little bit about the situation that you're seeing there like you know i'm checking out your twitter right now i encourage people to give you a follow on, on social media and you write my colleagues are working flat out with an intensity that just isn't sustainable where are these complex patients supposed to go instead what are you seeing here like are you seeing are you seeing some patients that are in in hospital beds where they really they should really be somewhere else and getting a different type of treatment or what's happening well like there's two things with that so what prompted that tweet is more more the community setting or or my office setting there's you know there's so many patients who do not have access to a, a family physician 
Um, and, and that becomes very, very problematic because there's not somebody coordinating that complex care. That patient really doesn't have anywhere else to go. And I had two separate people in, in my office in the, the past week that were absolutely in tears because they have nowhere to go to get meds and other things. And, and um, you know, so there's, there's a huge lack of ability to access a system for some patients. Um, certainly in the hospitals, we, we have tons of patients who are in a hospital setting that do not need to be in that hospital setting. They're waiting for long-term care, yeah. yet we have empty long-term care beds because we can't staff them. So the physical brick and mortar is there, but we can't staff that bed. You know, and, and, and little things like that, like, you know, to get long-term care aids, and I probably have the numbers wrong, um, I don't know them off the top of my head, but, you know, they're paid $22, $23 an hour. It's a really hard job for that. You know, we need to look at those things because maybe we think we're saving a little bit on the back end on, on you know, making a job like a long-term care aid look more attractive. But then we're spending way more money on the front end because we can't empty our emergency departments because there's all these people in the hospital who need to get the long-term care. So there, it just seems like there's this lack of kind of vision coordination understanding that there's all these different moving parts um yeah you know and it, it, it's how so much, hard in a giant system to get everything to work together yeah how much of this do you think is aggravated by the shortage of family doctors i know so many people that don't have a family doctor our family does not have one we used to and then he moved away and we haven't had one since so and a lot of people are in that same situation like if some people don't have access to a family doctor, maybe even have some trouble accessing a, a walk-in clinic. Do they and do they show up at the hospital as kind of a last resort? You know, you got nowhere else to go except the ER? Well, I think there's a few things with that, yes. So people do land in the emergency department because they don't have some other way they can access the system. Um, for sure, the, the bigger concern, though, is that they land in the emergency department because a more straightforward problem didn't get dealt with in a timely way, and now it's a really big problem, right? You know, the, the person who, I don't feel right, something's off, I don't really have a way to get labs, and, you know, they're an undiagnosed diabetic as an example. You know, well, that can drag on for months or years, and then they land in the emergency department when things are really bad and there's a bunch of damage to their body and other things. And 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 that's not an infrequent occurrence, right? That the person who feels a little bit off where if we pick something up earlier, we would have cut that tumor out, but hey, they couldn't access the system. So now that tumor is everywhere and the outcome is going to be worse and the cost to treat that is much higher. So so not having access to a, a family doctor is a, is a really big deal. And it, it's becoming a, a much bigger challenge in my practice because, you know, I'm taking on more and more of that family doctor primary care medicine because those patients mm. don't have somewhere else to go. But you know, it's simple math. You only have so many hours in a day. So if there's more and more patients coming through the door, you, you choose. Well, I either make patients wait longer and, you know, that becomes very dangerous for patients or I rush patients more quickly and I spend less minutes with each patient. And, and that also is problematic because, you, you know, you tend to miss things or the quality of the care can't be as good as it should be because you, you have to push people through, not because you want to but you know if i've got a waiting room full of 15 people i I can't spend an hour with each person right 
Yeah, no, that's really, really interesting insight. And when you think about people who show up in that emergency room with, with those type of undiagnosed problems and then they get worse later, like, and you touched on this briefly, if we sort of bottom line it here on, on kind of a dollars and cents basis, it ends up being more expensive in the long run, right? Because it wasn't caught early. Well, it's absolutely more expensive and, yeah. and, and worse outcomes for the patient um, and just us as a society in general. Um, but, but then, you know, if you've got doctors like in my field, internal medicine, that, that see these complex patients, well, then you, you somehow have to. And I'm not asking for a penny of money. Right? You guys overpay me, if anything. But, you know, I need helpers, like I need physician assistants, I need, yeah. you know, I need other helpers because it's, it's unreasonable to be trying to see 60 plus people a day when really it should be 20 to 25, but I'm not going to turn those other people away. And, and I've seen it over and over and it's, it's hard to say and people don't like hearing this, but, you know, some people that cannot access care have a really bad outcome. You know, somebody can't access care and get their blood thinners and then they stroke. That's not, you know, the one in a million. Those things are happening more than I think the public understands. Um, you know, and, and, and that has a huge impact on our society, not just a cost, but like to that person's family, to that individual. Um, you know, so that there are bad outcomes happening because we don't have the capacity in the system. All right, we continue my discussion now, Dr. Kevin McLeod, as we uh, discuss the stresses and strains on our healthcare system. What are you, Kevin, what are you hearing from your colleagues on the front lines here, like other doctors, nurses, or are people feeling this, the strain? Are people burning out? Yeah, I mean, I think people are, they're tired. Um, I think there's a, a level of, you know, it's just like a disappointment or frustration when when you can't provide you know, the best quality of care you want to provide. Like you're, you're constantly kind of working against pressures. Like, well, there's not enough space. Can't get this in. You know, I, I feel just, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just this weird feeling when, you know, you, you know, you need to get this thing done for a patient, but there's an eight month wait to make it happen. Um, you know, just, it feels, feel like you're not able to, or you take on some of that, like, responsibility for the, the lack of access to a system and and there's just there's a lot of sad stories right where where people can't access things and I, I think most of us are are pretty healthy we don't have to access the system you know maybe we do when we hurt our wrist or knee or something like that but but if, if you have a chronic condition and you've got to be accessing the system right now it's really challenging for patients do you think that there is there too many resources put into management, bureaucracy. Like I spoke to Kevin Falcon on the show yesterday, leader of the BC United Party's leader of the opposition at the legislature, and his complaint was, "Well, they're hiring too many managers. There's too many vice presidents in the in the health authorities. There's too many managers and bureaucrats being hired instead of frontline healthcare workers." Is that? Is that true? I mean, what, what do you I see? It's part of it. It's part of it. I mean, there's, you know, it's a complex system to manage and, yeah. and, um, but, but it's part of it. I mean, we do, we are spending more and more on administration. Had a, a lovely patient who's, who's First Nations and, and, um, he was stuck in a hallway bed. He won't mind me saying this, but he was stuck in a hallway bed for, for days. And, you know, when I was talking to him, he said, it's really funny. Like, I've had all sorts of different admin people come and talk to me. I had a First Nations navigator come and talk to me. And he, he said, I'm First Nations. I don't want 
a First Nations navigator coming and talking to me. I just want a damn bed like everybody else. (laughs) So, and it, it sort of really stuck with me because, you know, here we've created all this complexity and we're, we're kind of missing the, the basics, right? Like we, we need nurses and physios and occupational therapists and some physician assistants and beds. You know, we don't have to make it as complicated um, as I think sometimes we do. You know, you look at urgent care centers. We've, we've created this incredibly complex structure and then we can't staff it. Yeah. So we, we just, we got to make things way more simple. Um, Let me ask you about the physician assistance issue. You touched on this a couple of times where it would you need help. You, it would be nice to have some assistance to help you with the, with the workload. And I've talked to plenty of other doctors who've said the same thing. And we talked about this idea of introduce physician assistance in, into British Columbia. Why why is that not happening in BC? Like what's what's happening there? Um, I'll be quite honest. I don't know because every other province has physician assistants. They're utilized extensively in the United States. So a physician assistant is somebody who's working directly with that physician to offload, you know, appropriate parts of the care, right? Like, you know, if somebody, if I send them for some fancy heart tests and those tests look normal, you know, I don't need to necessarily be the one to say, Hey, it did show this. Like, you know, I can have somebody else help with that. And, and, um, you know, they, they, they make a lot of sense. Like, good example, operating rooms, right? Like, often we have family doctors in operating rooms working with, say, the orthopedic surgeon to do the assist for the OR. Physician assistants do that. They're trained to do that. Well, then you're not pulling a family doctor out of the community. You use that physician assistant to, to do that role. Um, so there's there's lots of things they could do. I'm not sure why the, the holdup. I can't just go hire a physician assistant, um, even though I have my own office, because they don't have a college set up here to license them. You know, so there's all this bureaucracy that just needs to get fixed. Every other province seems to have figured it out. Um, I don't know why the delay here. Um, you know, if, if there was some real reason why not to have them, well, speak up. Like, government should say, no, we don't want to do it for these reasons. Like, let's have the debate. But, yeah. but, um, but speak up. Don't just put your head in the sand. It does seem like a bit of a no-brainer to me, for sure, and we continue to follow that one going forward. Kevin, I'm always grateful to you for your time and your insight on the healthcare system. Thanks for coming on today. Mike, anytime.